My name is Ron. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I was called about five minutes ago. Um, Pastor Ken uh, just uh, went to emergency. Um, he, uh, he thinks he has a kidney stone, and he, he just could not get up. So um, five minutes ago, he, <coughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's not life-threatening, uh, but do pray for him. I, I understand I never had one, but I've seen people who had it. It's, it's painful as heck. Um, I heard that it's next to giving birth, it's the most painful thing. And so that's what I heard. Uh, so do pray for him. Um, uh, there's some, some doctors, and you know, they're getting ready to take him to the emergency. So, um, yeah, okay. Uh, and also, um, as some of you may have heard, uh, one of our pastors at, at Dogamsa, uh, Pastor Paul Yu, uh, he passed away last night. And um, so that's been uh, weighing down on, on a lot of uh, uh, people's heart. Um, I know that some of you uh, also know him, so please keep that family uh, in prayer. Uh, they will know about the funeral arrangement tomorrow when they go to the, uh, when they meet with uh, people who arrange these things. So, um, but even, even with all these uh, sorrow and sadness and, and painful stuff, um, we must remember that we are people of God, and, and, and we worship, we worship. Uh, because as we worship, uh, we ask God for his mercy and grace uh, on all the people, not only on us, uh, but for all people, um, uh, part of uh, God's church family. Okay, so please keep them uh, in prayer. And uh, like I said, <clears throat> um, and I apologize for, uh, I can't, I don't sing as nice as Pastor Ken. Uh, and I know it's, I sounded pretty bad. Um, nobody has ever asked me to sing, so anyway. Um, <clears throat> but uh, this was a passage that uh, I was going to share today, um, uh, later on. Uh, but um, So this is all you're going to get, okay? Because if I had uh, at least an hour or so of you know, uh, more time, I would have prayed and, and prepared more. That might be appropriate for you, but <clears throat> um, yeah, so... Uh, the word that, that I would share is uh, Acts chapter 7, uh, verses 54 to 60. And this is a, um, a passage about a man named Stephen. Okay. Um, so this is the word of the Lord. Uh, when they heard this, they were furious and gnashing their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing in the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voice, they all rushed at him, dragged him out, uh, uh, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witness, witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of the young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, Receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Um, yeah, would you join me in prayer? And let's pray. <clears throat> Lord God, we come before you again with thanksgiving. We thank you for your word um, where it gives us life. Uh, we pray, Lord, that as we go, to, go into uh, your word, studying about um, one of your servants, uh, Stephen, um, be with us, help us learn from this man, uh, and help us to, to know that what happened to him, how your Holy Spirit uh, blessed him, can be a blessing to us as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> um, to start off... Um, um, I, I used to be uh, more than now, but I, I'm a sports fan, um, and uh, uh, NFL football is one of my, uh, you know, pa you know, I, I like the sport a lot. Especially, uh, even though uh, my team needs a lot of prayer these days as Pittsburgh Steelers, um, but they're not doing so good. So if you pray for me uh, about that team, that'd be good. But I want to talk to you not about Steelers. But about this guy named Vince Lombardi, um, some of you may have heard him. Heard of him? He's a, a coach uh, who became a coach for uh, Green Bay Packers in the 50s, 1950s. In the 50s, uh, Green Bay Packers was the one of the worst team, 
there was. It, that was a joke. Um, in 1959, when uh, Vincent Lombardi became the coach, uh, uh, the year before, uh, their record was, uh, back then they, they played 12 games. Uh, their record was 1-11. and 11. Um, They won one game through the whole year, and everybody made fun of them, and it's, it's not even a team, and, and whatever. But then uh, Vince Lombardi took over, and, and in the spring camp, uh, the, the, the practice camp, and this is what uh, Vince Lombardi said, and which is a very, very famous uh, 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 a speech. This is what he said to his men, and everybody gathered. <clears throat> now remember, this is the worst team uh, in, in, in NFL. He says, gentlemen, we're going to have a football team, and we're going to win games. You are going to learn to block, run, and tackle. You're going to outplay all the teams that, that come against you. And most of all, you are to have confidence in me, and have confidence and have enthusiasm for my system. Hereafter, I want you to think of only three things, because only three things matter. Your family, God, and Green Bay Packers. That year, they played for the championship. One year, same players, because of this man. I think he was a godly man. He was a faithful man. He believed in God. And he got the team to believe uh, they could do better than they were. First Super Bowl, 19, about, almost 10 years later, 1967, was the first Super Bowl. And guess who won? Green Bay Packers. They were the first Super Bowl uh, champions. Now, we can see that you know, what faith can do, an amazing thing, this thing called faith, Vince Lombardi was able to come and, and take the, the worst team in the in, in NFL and almost over, overnight transform them into one of the best, the winningest team uh, in, in NFL. What faith can do. If the, when these people trusted their coach, um, I think, um, I mean, I don't, I don't have any facts, but I, I believe that Lombardi not only taught them how to play football, I think they taught them, he taught them to have faith in God uh, and to believe that in God, you can do all things. And I think the same thing today, if, if these people, whether the, the players that had faith or not, they believed in the, in the man who had faith uh, and, and their life changed. But today I want to share about a man named Stephen um, and, and for us to, to think about, man, if they could do that believing in a man, who had faith. If we could learn to have faith in God, what amazing, even greater things we can do. Amen? And this is not just a pep talk. Um, I think, you know, Pastor Ken will agree. Uh, he, him, uh, myself, and all pastors here, we're products uh, of that. We got nothing to show for on our own. Uh, but just because we decided to, uh, you know, trust in God and, and step out, uh, there are some amazing things that God has done, uh, even through us. And, and that's one of the things that I wanted to share with you. <clears throat> um, as we uh, think about Stephen, only, we only read uh, a short uh, a version of it. Um, but Stephen is, is not an apostle. He's not somebody who met Jesus personally. Uh, he is actually a disciple of the apostles. So he became a believer through the teachings of the apostles. So there was no, uh, you know, in some way, you know, he's like us. Um, then he never lived with Jesus, uh, but because of the teachings, he became a believer and a faithful one at that. Stephen also is one of the uh, seven uh, who, who was chosen to replace uh, the lousy job that the apostles did in distributing food. Uh, they were so bad that they had to, you know, find new leaders, um, and Stephen was one of them. Um, and he, he, he did a great job. Um, uh, uh, you know, I think, you know, Stephen was chosen, but he's listed as the first one out of the seven men that was chosen uh, to serve the church. Um, and in the Bible, when people are listed first, it usually means that they were probably the head, the leader, the, the most important, and, and whatever. So Stephen was, uh, was, was just that. 
smart. He's he's an intelligent man. And the Bible tells us he's he's a man full of the spirit and full of wisdom. Um, But it also tells us that it's not just his wisdom, um, but it's the Holy Spirit that has given him that wisdom. Uh, the people who, who have the power of the Holy Spirit, they somehow have this unusual power where uh, a normal person cannot argue or cannot compete. You know, they just play at a different level, and Stephen was one of them. <clears throat> but at that time, there were many Pharisees and other teachers of the law who thought they were very smart, and they were arguing with Stephen, uh, and they could not argue with him. Because Stephen was speaking in the power uh, of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what, uh, something about Stephen that, that, that the Bible tells us, that he was a uh, man full of faith and Holy Spirit in, in, in uh, uh, chapter 6, 5. And then he was also you know, said he was, uh, uh, he was full of God's grace and power, uh, uh, chapter 6, 8. Um, and then he did great wonders and miraculous signs, again in 6, 8. And then he spoke with wisdom and spirit, 6, 10. Um, and, it, and he had a face like an angel, um, which is kind of uh, interesting. Uh, how Luke, who's a writer of uh, Acts, uh, was able to say that he had a face of an angel when he was even there. Right? And that's kind of interesting. But how, so how would he know that? He's just writing a fiction? Now, of course, you know, the Bible isn't written that way. How do we know that? And I thought of, I, I thought, you know, uh, wrestled with that question. And I thought, but Stephen, uh, uh, Luke, uh, knew Paul. Saul was one of the, of the people who were there when Stephen was persecuted. Uh, he was stoned to death. And he's, he's, the, he's the proud Saul. He's, he's proved everything. He, he, he was a man. And he saw his face. And I'm sure he shared this story how he became a believer, and he was sharing with all the other disciples, and when he talked about Stephen, and, and that's what he saw. And in fact, if you, if you look at Stephen's life and Paul's life, I, I think this was one of the things that drove Saul crazy. Because I think Stephen and Paul, uh, Saul is kind of similar in, in personality, in character. They're both kind of black and white, Either you believe or you don't believe. There's no wishy-washy stuff here, right? Um, and, but Saul is somebody who, who really wanted to believe in God. He really wanted to be faithful. And he did everything, but somewhere he just could not find that fullness. So he was struggling. He's wrestling. He's wrestling with himself. But he saw this man, Stephen, and he's being stoned to death. When, when, logically speaking, normally he should be scared to death, shaking, trembling, and, and this great fear in his face. And yet, he says, he's a face of an angel. What, what, what does that mean? No, uh, if you think about it, when you think about an angel, what do you, what do you imagine? Uh, like a baby face, right? You know? Not, not like this one, but, you know. Uh, a baby face. Um, but... We know that when the Bible says every person who encountered an angel, they said they were afraid. So I think, you know, uh, I mean, that doesn't mean that his face was not angelic, um, but it's, it's more than that. Every time an angel comes, uh, it, the first thing they say is, do not be afraid. Why would they be? I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing. Is it the way they looked? Is it the size? Or, you know, what, what is it? But they're fear, uh, filled with fear. And I think uh, it's not the baby face, but I think it's something about the holiness, uh, that this person is full of the Holy Spirit, and uh, there's something, some kind of spiritual aura that comes out, and it's a, whoa! And, and, and it's a fear that in front of him, I can't, I can't do anything wrong. Now, I, I, let me share a, 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 a confession, not my confession, but my father's confession. Uh, when we first came to U.S., it's in the 60s. <laughs> uh, my father used to smoke a lot. He doesn't smoke anymore, so I, I can say this. He used to smoke a lot, and he used to drink a lot. But we have in our church uh, one of the very first missionaries uh, from Korea after the war, right? Uh, Choi Chan-young Moksanim, 
uh, and uh, maybe you don't know, but he, he's an elderly guy. He's here. Very, very godly man. My we, we also have many pastor friends. My father knew every one of them. In front of other pastor friends, he would smoke and he would drink. But in front of this he can't. And it was kind of funny. Only in, in front of him, he, he, just, he just won't smoke. And, and so, Dad, how come you, know, you don't do that in front of him? And, and he says, I don't know. It's some, just something about him. Uh, you know. But all, there, there are other pastors. You know, I mean, they were younger, but still, I mean, he, was just, he was just being himself. Um, so there's something about this godliness, you know, and that if you're living in sin, it just convicts you. It just catches you and says, oh. And, and I think that's how Luke knew that he had a, a face of an angel because of Paul's, Saul's testimony, Saul who became Paul. Now, something interesting about uh, this man also is that um, we know that uh, Stephen was the first martyr of the church. Right? He was killed for his faith. Now, he was chosen to distribute food. You know, there was an argument in the church, and, and somebody was getting more food than others, and you know, Hebrew Jews and Grecian Jews, and I'm sure there are others, but there were two, two part, the big parties. And, uh, so apostles were they're good at praying and praying for people and, and teaching the word. They're not very good at distributing food. Um, so somebody had to replace them, and, and Stephen was one of them. Um, so, but we also know that he was not killed because he distributed food wrong, right? He was killed because he was sharing his faith. As an apostle, um, he, he shared the faith, and one sermon that the Bible records about him, one sermon he gave, it was long. Uh, and, you know, if you count, it's the longest sermon in the book of Acts. Um, after the sermon... He's killed. He's stoned to death. And some of the pastors, we are going, why, why, why was that? Is, is it because when you preach, give a long sermon, uh, you know, there's a, a danger of, of you getting killed? Um, but hopefully not. But we know that he gave a very powerful sermon, right? But there are other people who gave very powerful sermon, like Peter, right? Peter was the first one after the Pentecost. He preached very powerful, so powerful after that message, 3,000 people became a believer. And he gave a second message, and another, you know, the number grew to another couple thousand, and over 5,000 people became a believer. Stephen, on the other hand, just as powerful, but he was killed. And I thought, what's the difference? You know, what, what would be the difference? Where uh, Peter's message, people were convicted and they became a believer. Um, and Stephen, on the other end, just as powerful, maybe too powerful, I don't know, um, but he was stoned to death. What is up with that? And, uh, and, and for a long time, I was, I was trying to compare because, I mean, as a pastor, I, 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 I live to preach and I don't want to be, I mean, being martyr is, is, is an honorable thing, but I, I don't choose to be a martyr, so I don't want to be stoned um, so, you know, I, I was comparing, well, what's going on? And then I came to realize, whenever we hear the word of God being preached, only one of two things should happen. I mean, well, conviction is what should happen. Response to conviction could be one of two things. One, you're convicted and your life change. You change. You become submissive to the word, to the power. Or... You're so convicted that you get angry and you fight. You fight to preserve your own. And, and that's the difference. They preach practically the same message, the message of Jesus Christ, that in Jesus there is life, there's forgiveness. Only in Jesus there's salvation. They both preach the same thing. Now, of course, <clears throat> Stephen, at the end, he said, you stiff-necked people, you were the one who killed him. Uh, so maybe he wasn't as wise as the apostles, right? But it got him killed. 
Uh, and again, many people think, what a waste of good young servant's life. That, you know, what, what, what's, wrong, what's wrong with that? God, could you not protect this man? Uh, but again, we have to understand, uh, when we think about Stephen, and after one message, he was stoned to death, people do argue, uh, was he a failure? Was he a failure? But of course, uh, for, for us, we know that he was not a failure. How do we know that? He only preached one, and he, as far as we didn't even convert anyone. No one became a believer. But we know that when we look at one incident, we may not have the full picture. But God was working. God worked through this man, Stephen, his life, you know, his life and his death was precious. Last night, I went to visit uh, Pastor Paul, and, 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 and the word that came to me uh, was Psalm 116, where it says, how precious is the death of a saint? You know, a servant of God dying in him is a precious thing. And I thought, Stephen, is, th- this is exactly like that. His death was not a waste. But his death was an awakening in another servant who was waiting to be discovered you know, in himself and in and, and, and God. And that was Saul, who happened to be Paul. Right? So in Stephen, but you see, nobody really, nobody was really affected how Stephen died, except Paul, it drove him crazy. You know, it, it, it was, he was something about what he said and something about his face and Ah, uh, he, he, he just could not help himself. So he's fighting. He's fighting. He's fighting God. And so he went after all the Christians, everyone who's just like this, this, this crazy man uh, named Stephen. And he went after everyone to, to arrest and, and, and kill and, because he had to satisfy himself. This is, this is, this is, this is, in, in his mind at that time, he probably thought this was evil. He needs to drive it out. And yet, at that time, he thought he was fighting for God. But later, he finds out he was fighting against God. And he becomes, I think, the man where Stephen's death has produced. What an amazing man this Stephen was. The people... Maybe, you know, if, if Steve, Stephen could have just held back a little bit uh, and instead of accusing them so directly, then he could have gone a long ways. But God has his way of working through people. And his death was required. And then I thought of this. We are all chosen to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. And in fact, the book of Acts starts off with one of the commission that is given to us in, in, in uh, Acts 1.8, a verse that we may all know, right? Um, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will have power. And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in, in Judea, in Samaria, and, and, and to the ends of the earth, right? And, but the word, you will be my witness." That word is in, in Greek is martures. Martures, um, back then, is how it's defined as, as, as a witness. I think back then, uh, martures, or the, the word we get today is, is martyr, and witnessing is the same thing. It was not a big deal. Today, we separate the meaning of, of, of this, even though we translate it, into different words. Martyr is someone who is willing to die for their faith, whereas witnessing is just sharing the gospel. But in the Bible, especially you know, with, uh, with, with Stephen, being a witness and, and dying, it's the same thing. Right? Um, did you know, you know, February 15, I, I forgot about this, and only last week you know, I, wrote, I read an article. It says, there, the people who got... Uh, beheaded in, in the beach by ISIS. Remember that? About five years ago. It was uh, February 15th. 
um, how they were beheaded on video and the ISIS were telling everyone uh, to scare everyone, this is what's gonna happen if you do not give up your faith. Um, but if you look at the video even very, very carefully, their executioners were all hiding. Had their mask on, uh, they're all wearing black. The people, so-called Christians, uh, were being beheaded. They were all you know, dressed in, uh, I think, an orange jumpsuit. But their face was not the one of terror. They were in control. They were at peace. Um, and it was just a normal thing. And the article was telling, tell, uh, you know, uh, telling us that the Coptic Christians, for them, dying is not, a, it's not that big of a deal. It blew the minds of all Christians all over the world, even, especially for us here. Because, wow, you could die for faith. But for them, you die, preach, it's no big deal. And, and that's what that word means, martyrs, martyr, witness. It's the same thing. Whatever the cost is. Not, I don't think Stephen desired to die, desired to be killed, but it's just one of those things that happened, and it's not a big deal. You know? That's a man full of faith, full of grace, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Then I thought of, where did he get this power? Where did he get his wisdom? And, did, you know, I, I thought of maybe, did he have it from the, from the beginning? Uh, like, a lot of great men? But, of course, that, that doesn't work because, you know, most great men are not great from the beginning. I think Stephen was one of those people where the wisdom and the power came when they were chosen by the church to serve the church, and the apostles came and prayed for them. In, in uh, verse, uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 6, this is what it is. Uh, the, the seven men were presented uh, to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So these people are, uh, these seven were ordained in the spirit. And I think he was, he was smart, he was intelligent before, but now it, it took them to a different level of, of wisdom and, and power, where Stephen was able to do even miraculous signs. That means performing miracles and stuff. And his powerful teacher, preacher, sharing of, of the gospel when the apostles lay their hands on them. And there's something special about leaders in the church, people who are ordained, people who are anointed, um, and, and people who are uh, elected to be ordained deacons and elders and in pastors. Um, God gives them special power. It's, it's a special honor uh, that, that is available uh, to, to be used. And I know... Um, uh, this congregation is, is still, still young. And as far as I know, uh, we don't have any uh, deacons and elders uh, elected yet. Um, soon, it will happen. Right? It needs to happen for church to grow. And, and know that as if you are chosen uh, to be that, or if you are choosing to be considered to be one of that, uh, you, will be, you will also be given the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work that is required of you. This is a special anointing uh, that is given to the leaders uh, of the church. The Bible tells us that he was a man full of the Spirit. And I thought of, you know, what does that mean? What does it mean? What, what does a man full of the Spirit look like? And um, let me share a little a kind of fun story. I think this was a Korean uh, a gentleman, but I don't know. As um, a Korean family, family man, and, and you know, uh, he came to the U.S. and and and, and he lived and but faithful man. He went to church. Um, always went to church. But when the kids grew up, um, they wanted to take a longer vacation. Um, so he took like ten days vacation somewhere. But never had this man taken a vacation more than three or four days because he had to come back to church on Sunday every Sunday. But when the teenage, their kids became a teenager, um, teenagers win 
you know, usually parents lose out. And so they, they went 10 day vacation and driving around and driving all over US and, and they, they go and Sunday comes. And, and this man is, you know, waking up early and, and telling them, come on, wake up, wake up. We, we got to go to church. And the kids are saying, oh, dad, we're on vacation. And he's like, and they got him and, and got to church. But this is a new place. He doesn't know where the church is. This is the time before, you know, Google, you know, the smartphone and, and things. So, you know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't know looking at the yellow pages. There's a thing called yellow pages, you know, back then. And then looking, you know, trying to find something. He, but he doesn't know, you know, what's a good church. So he said, God, I trust you. And so he got everybody in the car and, and started driving. Uh, he left at 10 o'clock. Usually most of the, you know, Anglo churches are at 11. So at 10 o'clock he leaves and, and, and the kids are, Argh. and so he's praying, God, lead me to a good church. Lead me to a good church. And the kids in the backseat say, oh, God, please don't lead him to a good church. We don't want to go to church today. And so there's a conflict in, in the car. So they're, they're going. He goes to one church and, and they're about to go and, and says, uh, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, uh, this is not a good church. So, so he go leaves and somewhere else and, oh, this is too small. We can't even find this. Thing. So like 1050, 1055. And he said, and the dad is getting nervous, right? He doesn't, he, he's going to find a good church. And the kids are going, yes, five moments, five moments. And, and so, so they're, they're going and then he sees another church down the street and says, it's almost 11 o'clock. We don't care what kind of church, we, we're going, we're going to worship there. So he parks the car, he goes, but it's a huge, big church, and, and, and the parking lot is full. So he's excited, and the kids go, oh, shit, and then they, they go in. And place is packed, and he finds, you know, a little, little you know, empty space where they're all sitting. There's a mom, dad, uh, and, and the kids on the side, and, and so they're worshiping. And on this day, they happen to have a, a guest speaker. Uh, not, not their normal pastor wasn't there. And guest speaker comes. And of course, when a guest speaker comes, he's going to give his best sermon. So he's giving a sermon. It's, it's, it, it, uh, it, it's like a Presbyterian church. Okay? Presbyterians usually worship very quiet and solemn. And so, so he's preaching, preaching. And oh, he was, he was really carried away. And, 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 go. and before this man knew, something came out. And he said, Hallelujah! And everybody Looked, and, and the kids, right next to him, go, I don't know him. So embarrassed, right? And, and he feels, oh, I'm sorry, you know, he's, he's not even in church, so he's feeling embarrassed. And so, but the pastor, when a, a pastor's preaching, and he gets in a hallelujah or something, he, he's, now he's focusing on that man, and he's preaching and preaching. And, and then, and, and something, he says something wonderful, and again, this man got so caught up, Right? And he said, Amen. And then again, they go, Hoppa. And everybody, everybody turns and looks, right? And he feels kind of you know, embarrassed. And, but the pastor loves this guy. And so he's, he's, no, so he's at least got one man listening to him. So he's preaching, preaching away. And then it's, again, something happens. And so this time, he is so carried away, he stood up and said, Praise the Lord. But nobody laughed back, you know, then it's total silence. But at this time, there's an usher from the back. He comes over. And he says, excuse me, we do not praise the Lord in this church. And that's about the silence they probably got. What does it mean to be f- full of the Spirit? The church is full of so-called worshipers. I wonder how many of them were full of the Spirit. But then, the flip side of it is when we say Amen and Hallelujah, or praise the Lord, in every, you know, as part of our conversation, does that mean that we're full of the Spirit? What does that mean? You know, what does that mean? What does it mean when, when they say Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit? Did he speak in tongues? Uh, is it because he was able to do miraculous signs? I mean, what, what does that mean? What does a man or per, a person full of the Holy Spirit look like? And I looked at Stephen, um, and there's a couple things that I, I, I saw, which I think may contribute to say that he was a man full of the Holy Spirit. I think one was that this was a man fully committed to God and his work. 
uh, big or small, he was committed because it's God's work. I think, you know, uh, he was chosen to distribute food. I mean, think about it. And uh, let's be honest. How holy is that? How important is that, just distributing food to people, uh, widows and, and, and poor people? But he didn't think that way. This is God's work. God gave me this opportunity, and he was faithful. It was important to him because it was an important work for God and for God's people. Right? Big or small, he was faithful. And one of the things that I learned over, over the years, and I'm a little bit old, um, is that God does not give us an opportunity to do great things for him unless we have first proven to be faithful in small things. Right? It's like, oh, when I give him that big opportunity, I will do whatever. In the meantime, they don't do anything. But how important it is that we become faithful to small things. And when we're faithful to that, he has a little bigger thing. And he has a little bigger thing. And a little bigger thing. And before we know it, the, the opportunity is there. Stephen, he was, he was you know, he, he didn't serve that long, but I think he was faithful with small things. And I think he followed and watched and imitated the apostles, how they taught, how they, you know, did whatever they were doing. And he started imitating, maybe doing with them, serving them, and, and, and grew and grew. And the opportunity came where he was alone sharing the gospel. And the opportunity came and he was ready to go. And then Stephen, I think, was full of the Holy Spirit because he saw God at work. I mean, he, he was one of the few men he actually saw God, in a vision, of course, um, doing the, the work that, you know, where he and others were God's hands and feet. Um, Jewish leaders were angry, wanted to kill because he claimed, I see, look, I see God. You know, he, he says in front of him, I see God on his throne. I see Jesus standing next to him. And he said, it just drove everybody nuts. But because he saw God working in him and through him, he was able to do the things that he could not do on his own. I think when everybody was throwing the rocks and throwing the stones, not pebbles, huge rocks, because you don't kill people with these little stones, right? Big pebbles, he wasn't paying attention to what's going on, but he saw what's going on in heaven. And because of that, that enabled him to go through what he was about to go through. Um, if you think about it, no person in their right mind would go through what Stephen went through. I, I, I'm kind of weird, right? And, and I'm thinking, if I was Stephen, and I would say, that, I mean, because they don't throw at, at this distance. They're, they're farther away, and, and they're surrounding, you know, I mean, lots of people surrounding them and throwing stones at the same time. But if I was at Stephen's age, I, I would dodge. I missed him, ha ha, ah. that was pretty athletic, you know, I'm pretty quick, you know, and how long I would do that, I don't know, but he really didn't care what was going on, it wasn't what's important for him, what was important for him is that he saw heaven open, and he saw God, right, so that, I think, this is something crazy amazing, uh, and that because he was so focused on God, at, before he died, he says, with Jesus standing there with his arms wide open, hey, come here, man. And he would say, just like what Jesus did on the cross, he says, forgive them, Lord. Forgive them, Lord. Who in the right mind would say things like that? It's not normal. But he's a man full of the Holy Spirit. Man full of the Holy Spirit. 
So I thought, we know that Stephen was a great man. And he was full of the Holy Spirit, full of the power. And I thought, practically speaking, how can I be like that? You know, how do I become like that? Because it's, it's great to know somebody who is like that, but what's that have to do with me? Unless I learn something and, and I say, if, I mean, hopefully we won't be in, that, in the same situation, but how can I be someone who can be full of the Holy Spirit? And I, I thought a few things. I think the first thing is, just like Stephen, be committed to God and his work. Uh, we can't be committed to God without doing his work. Uh, when we say we're committed to God, it means we're committed to doing what God wants done on this earth. Right? Um, so many people, oh, I love God, I love God, and, and they're so good at coming to worship services and, and praising and, 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 and whatever. I'm not saying this is bad, but this is only first base. If all we do is, oh, my love for God is just worshiping and praising him because it makes me feel so good, that we're missing something. Right? We're missing something. When we're committed to God, we have to be committed to his work, what he wants to do on this earth. And the second thing is, true commitment comes when we read, learn, and study the word of God. We cannot know fully what it means to, to know God or to commit it to God without, apart from the word. Uh, we can know God, you know, somewhat either through prayers or, or we can know God through circumstances and whatever. But to fully know the genuine heart of God, we have to come and we have to know, we have to study the word of God. Right? Because he still speaks through his words. You know? best, word, best way to get to know him is through his word. We're not interested in knowing about him. We're interested in getting to know him. And there's a difference. And the third thing is that as we are committed to him, uh, I think we also need to become one with the Holy Spirit, and that is done through prayer. When we pray, we get into his spirit, and we are communing with God. Even how often when we read the word and some things just don't make a whole lot of sense, what does that mean? But when we pray upon prayer, we see how this particular word applies to me in, in my life. And, and we can become one with the Holy Spirit right? through prayer, acknowledging the Holy Spirit is there, talking to him. But more important than talking to the Holy Spirit is listening to the Holy Spirit. And when we pray, I pray that when we pray, spend at least 40, 50% of your prayer time listening to what the Spirit says. Because too often, we just talk and say everything we want to say and say bye, and then we leave. And I do a lot of counseling. You know, I mean, one, some of the people that I really don't like, I, although I don't show it, they can pass around, I got a problem, and da 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 and then they, oh, thanks for listening, and, and it just leaves. I haven't said anything yet. Right? How often when we come to the Lord, God, do this for me, do that for me, do that for me. And, and then we say, oh, thanks for letting me talk to you, and we say bye. We have to listen to what God says. We have to listen to what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. Okay? And the fourth one, the power of the Holy Spirit comes when we become obedient to Christ's teaching. You know, when we know things here, oh, we feel good. But we will not know the power of God until we submit and obey what he says. Even Jesus said, Go make disciples all over the world. And Jesus does not say, and go teach them everything I have to command you. That's not what he says. He said, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Is what he says. So the word of God is not for us to just know. Word of God is given to us so that we will obey. You know, when we obey, we experience the power. You know, like Stephen, like the other apostles and other disciples. And the last thing, I think, practically, I think this, this might be really important. And, and, and the way I, I put it is, is, is like this. It's not about you, it's about God. Yeah. 
It's not about you. It's not about us, but it's about God. How often, even when we come to church, it is all about us. God, give me this. God, give me that. Do this for me. Do that for me. Don't, don't let that happen to me. It's all about, but even here, as Stephen was being stoned, although, you know, Bible doesn't record everything that happened, but nowhere does it say, God, don't let that stone hit me. I don't want to die here. There's no me when it comes to Stephen. It was all about God. You know? And he was not afraid even of death. We all have a tank. We are all natural people. And we have a need to have our needs met. But for us to be able to say that I am filled with the Holy Spirit, at least 51% of that tank needs to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Right? I mean, we, we, I mean let's be honest. We cannot get rid of all my need. Right? But if that becomes a majority of my life, then we can't really say I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, at least majority should be the Holy Spirit. Right? I mean, that's what I think. Right? Stephen was one of those men. It was not about him. It was about God. I think what Stephen understood as he was preaching He wasn't preaching to win the argument. He wasn't preaching to let him have it. You killed my Messiah. That wasn't his goal. I think when he was preaching, I think he had, I think he had this in mind. God loves these people. God wants to give them another chance. That was his thing. Everybody else, I think it was all about them. They were jealous. This man was more popular. This man has more power than me. So they wanted to go after him. But Stephen wasn't. It wasn't about him. It was all about God loving them and giving them a second chance or third chance or fourth chance. The way we see problems or the way we see the world will determine whether we are really filled with the Holy Spirit. Whether we are ready to do what God is asking us to do. Can we do that? Would you be willing to become a person full of the Holy Spirit and full of God's wisdom? Would you be willing to do that? And I'm, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to be a superhuman being. You don't have to be a super Christian. I think if you're willing, if you make yourselves available, God will do it. Because again, it's not about us. We don't become full of the Holy Spirit because we want to. It's God's grace. Right? And it's, God does not use people who are the greatest. God uses people who are willing to become available. You know? And then he puts us to work. Stephen, I, you know, to be honest, I don't think he was any, anyone special, but God made him special. The apostles, oh, who would choose these kind of disciples to become apostles? No person in the right mind would do that. But when they became available for God, God made them special. And I can, I can tell you the same thing. Me? I can't sing. I forget a lot of things. I, there's so many things, so many reasons why I should not be a pastor. And everybody, all, most people who know me, they say, God must be alive when they see me. If God can do some of the things through you, he must be alive. He has to be alive. I'm a living testimony. When we make ourselves available for God, God will do great things. Stephen was a man full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. You can be a man or a woman full of the Holy Spirit and full of God's wisdom. Amen?
believe it to you. This is God's word. Let us pray. Lord God, we come before you humbly, boldly, believing that you are God Almighty, who is still alive, still active, still powerful. You are the one, you're the only one who is true God. And we are given the privilege to be your believers, be your servants. And Lord God, may you continue to overwhelm us with the Holy Spirit. Help us not to look at, look at ourselves when we are given the opportunity to volunteer for you and for your ministry. But, but Lord, help us to just look to you and trust in you that you will carry the work even through us. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Continue to fill us with the Holy Spirit. May our lives be not about me, but may our lives be about you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for our brothers and sisters with whom we are able to worship together. Bless all of us together so that we would encourage and we would cheer each other on to be more faithful. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to share your word. And if there was anything that was confusing or uh, misled, may those things be forgotten. But Lord, may your Holy Spirit help us to only remember the things that we need to remember in our lives. Help us to know that in you, we can do all things. Use us. Use us for your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.